You're listening to the Bay Christian Family Church Podcast. Praise God. As you see, to open your Bible at Genesis chapter 12. Now, we have been having a look over a number of weeks, and it's coming up regularly because it is something that uh, it's a foundation to God's plan in our lives. And that is that when God created Adam in the garden, He created him, male and female, the Bible says, He created them. And then He put that person into a deep sleep and removed the female from him. And then they became two, Adam and Eve. God always spoke to them as one. Whenever he addressed them, he addressed them as Adam because the two together were one. And the foundation of creation, the foundation of God's life is that family. He said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. And that has so many other implications and we're busy packing that out and looking at it from different aspects. Today I'm speaking to fathers But as I say, whatever message is ever given, we can all receive something from it. And that is that God is represented as Father. And then it's evident through creation that He always addressed fathers. And He always spoke from the position of family. Uh, When you come into a knowledge that uh, maybe it's a desire, maybe it's a drawing however the Lord's drawing us, is that He's bringing us back into a family. And what the enemy does is he tries to distract us with religion. And so any other religion that exists after Jesus said, He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. You understand that anything else is a creation of Satan. It is a distortion of Satan. And so all other religions only exist. The only reason other religions exist is so that anybody that's seeking through a drawing of the Father for what they may not be able to put into words, a need to be part of God as family, they sense that from within, the enemy has to offer something that's a counterfeit, that if someone takes it, it keeps them away from the the Father himself. And so the counterfeit is designed through religious activity. In other words, if you want to serve God, do it this way. But this is, this is false and it keeps you away from the true God. And so the whole idea is he would even do that even if somebody says, no, but I don't believe in all these other things. I still believe in Jesus. He can even within that system create a religion that looks like Christianity. And even Jesus said about his own word when he was in the earth, he says, you, you have my word, but my, your traditions made my word null and void. And so even just going to church can become a religious activity and never experience what God wants for you. And so when you strip all of that away, you realize God didn't want to be served as a religion. He didn't create a religion called Christianity. And this is evident when he got hold of Abraham, whose very name is Father. The name Abraham means Father. 
And when he addressed him here in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, the Lord said to Abraham, get out of your country, from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you and I will make you a great, notice not a religion, I'm going to make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. You shall be a blessing. God's intention is for this world to know who He is and the way He manifests Himself, the way He shows Himself is through people. The only way you met God is because somebody introduced you to Him. He spoke through a person. The word that you heard from God came from the mouth of a human. The words that you read that God spoke in ages past was written down by a person. If God has ever given something to you, it's come through the hands of someone. God represents himself through people. And he chooses this man, Abram. The rest of the world, including Abram, there was no godly man on the planet. Adam's sin had so corrupted mankind that God had to infiltrate and get back into the system, but he had to do it through a man. And so he scoured the earth, and Abram came from a family who were worshiping the planets, the sun, the moon, and that kind of religion. And so Abram would have been raised in that. But God got a hold of this man one day and spoke to him. And said, I am ready to begin this work to get my kingdom back into order so that we once again can be the creation, the family of God in this earth. And I'm going to begin with you. And I'm going to make you a great nation. And because you exist, I can then bless all others through you. And the Bible says, Abraham believed. He believed. And that was the beginning of the covenant that God made with Abraham so that he could bring Jesus ultimately into the earth and that he would pay the supreme price that man had failed in and give his life and lay it down for sin to forever destroy the work of Satan that whoever believes in him, calls on his name, will be saved. And when you're born again, you're not born into a religion. You are born into a family, a nation, and a family that has a father, an eternal father, an almighty father. And it says, Abraham believed. He believed. Come with me to Genesis chapter 18. Now, why did God choose Abram out of all the men on the earth? He chooses Abram. Look at verse 17. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm doing? Now, you notice the name has changed. 
And we studied that already. If you weren't here for it, I encourage you to get those past messages. And we saw that God did a name change because Abraham, even though he promised he would be a nation, uh, both him and Sarah were old and beyond childbearing age. And they both were, she was barren, he's infertile. But God had spoken a word to them. And he made a choice to believe. And uh, God had to change his name to Abraham, which means father of many nations. And in that declaration, he was given the promise at 75, but by the age of 99, he still hadn't, Sarah still hadn't fallen pregnant. But when he changed his name, within one year, Isaac was born. So that's how the name Abraham came about. So God had changed his name to Abraham, and he says that will he hide anything from Abraham? In other words, God, whatever he does in the earth, he does it through a man. He said that he, whatever he does, he will first tell his prophets. And so we always want to be listening. We always want to hear from heaven for our next step. And so he says, will I hide from Abraham what I'm doing? Now listen to verse 18. Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. Now listen to this. For I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice. Now, you know that we're not automatically righteous. The Bible says that our own works are as filthy rags, trying to be righteous in our own ability. The only way to be righteous is to receive His righteousness. The Bible says when you're born again, He was made to be son, that we might be made the righteousness of God. So the only way you can become righteous is by being born again. Righteousness is not what you do, it's what you are. And you are made the righteousness of God. It's a free gift. But Abraham was given that righteousness on credit. The Bible says because he believed, God counted it to him as righteousness. So he's considered as righteous as what we were on credit. But you notice, yeah, he says it's got to go beyond just being righteous. Now that you are made righteous, it's time to do righteousness. Do righteousness. Now you understand your good works is not what gets you to heaven. But, you know, if, if, if water splashed on you, what would you be? Wet. Why? Because water does that. Water makes wet. Isn't that right? Water wets. Righteousness? Righteousnesses. <laughs> does that make sense? So because you're righteous, now the next step is to be righteous. Remember Jesus who never ever committed any sin? Never committed any sin was going to be baptized. So you're not baptized because you were a sinner. He was baptized, and listen to his wording, that we may fulfill righteousness. See, there's an action that comes out of righteousness. So in other words, if he didn't get baptized... He's not fulfilling righteousness, which would be 
unrighteousness. That would be a sin. Can you see that? So it's not our works that save us, but now that we are saved, there's works that's going to come out of that. And he says, yeah, God wants his family to keep the way of the Lord, to do righteousness and justice, that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. God gives promises, and he promises to bless you. He promises to protect you. He promises to provide for you. He promises to heal you. But to bring it to pass, we have to be in that place of living righteous. Can you see that? So that he may bring it forth in righteousness. Hallelujah. How many you want to see the promises of God manifest in your life? How many you want that in your children's life? Of course we do. Well, how's it going to happen? Look at verse 19 again. God gave it to Abraham. The beginning of 19, please. I've known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him. See, a father is not just a father to his children. He's a father to his children and his grandchildren. Command his children and command his household after him. So you understand God is a God of legacy. He's not just, Father, you raise your children and no one else has any input. You raise your children to raise their children and you still have input into those children's lives. God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Generational. Can you see that? And what's he doing? He's raising that family to keep the way of the Lord. To keep the way of the Lord. Now, how do we do that? The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 4, By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. How many you want to see riches and honor and life in your life? Of course we do. Amen. When I say riches, don't just think lots of money in the bank. Because that is part of it. God wants to provide for you so you can provide for your family. God wants you to give your family a nice place to live and to eat well and, and drive well and dress well. That is God's provision. But riches is what happens within your heart. Prosperity is not rands and cents or dollars. That is an aspect of it. True prosperity is what's in your heart. That love of God, that peace of God, the strength of God, the grace of God, the giftings of God, the, the ministry that comes out from that, the, the relationships, your raising of your children, the family, it's been blessed in every aspect of your life. We want to see those riches and the honor and the life. And he warns us in verse 5, thorns and snares are in the way 
in the way of the perverse. He who guards his soul will be far from them. So there are things, remember when Adam first sinned, God said, now that you have sinned, a curse has entered the earth. Now you're going to fight the earth and there will be thorns and thistles. Now that's in the natural, of course. You know, you leave any garden and you don't tend it and look after it. It always degrades to thorns and thistles. That's the way of the curse. So you have to proactively work the kingdom to make sure it prospers. But that thorns and thistles is also true in our lives. If you just leave a life to, to grow on its own, have you noticed you don't have to teach a child to be naughty? You don't have to make a child be bad. Isn't that right? Why? Because there's a curse in the earth. And so he says there are thorns and snares. You want this life of godliness. You want this life of riches. You want this life of honor. But there are things that are going to stop that from happening. There are things around you that will cause degradation. There are things that are going to destruct. They're going to cause destruction. But notice verse 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he'll not depart from it. See, family of God, this world around us, People, some say, I don't understand what's happening in the world. Things seem so worse. I mean, just in the last years, all the things that have gone bad and wrong. I don't know what's happening to the world. Here's the thing. You understand that there is an enemy out there. And the enemy is trying to steal the hearts of our children. He's trying to break down family values. Break down the family structure. Because in families is where the strength of the kingdom is. So what is he doing? He wants to turn men into women. He wants to feminize men and take them away from their godly roles of what Abraham was given to instruct his family and his rest of his family. His children and his family that come from those children. He's legalizing sin. Trying to destroy the fabric of society. Men and women of God that are going to transform this world and change it forever. He tries to destroy them in the womb before they ever born. How many future Billy Grahams and R. Roberts never saw the light of day because they were killed in the womb. Why? Now, there's different reasons, and I'm not going to get into all the emotional side of it, and we understand, you know, medical, and sometimes it can't be helped, and we, I'm, I'm, I don't want to go into too much detail because I don't have all that time. But a lot of it, a large majority of it, Millions upon millions of babies died because there was not a man in that relationship as a father, as a husband. A married relationship 
standing as a husband and as a father. I don't care what happens. I will provide for that baby. Whatever reason the mother chose, and as I said, I don't know each individual, and this is no criticism on any one of them because I don't know what they went through. But had there been a man that said, I will take you as my wife and I will protect you and I will protect that baby, would she have aborted that child if that was in place? And I want to encourage anyone that may have made that decision. This is not a criticism. This is me reaching out in compassion. God loves you no matter what you did in a moment, whatever's happened. God is a loving father and he takes you right back and forgives that and he wipes that, that away. He, he wipes it away. Amen. Amen. Don't let the enemy use that to hurt you any longer. It's happened. It's gone. It's past. Forget it. Let him cleanse you and wash you clean of that pain and that hurt. You're saved. But I have to say this today to call all others to say not in my life, not in my household, not in my lifetime, not with those that are given to me to love and protect. Be the man. Fathers, this is more than just about you. It's about your family. It's about your generations. And the enemy is trying to destroy that very fabric. Where are the men? Crime, drugs, alcoholism, all these things. What happened? Why do we see? Where, where, where's the most crime? Where does the most crime happen? It's where there's no father present. You may as well say amen. See, some people get nervous when you get there. No, we need to say it the way it is. Because when the godly men stand up and be the man and raise children in the way of the Lord. It's not a guaranteed fail safe. Children will stray. They will go their own way. But I'm talking about making sure that you've done everything you can. To ensure that those, that, that is in place. Because when children are raised in a safe, secure home that know they loved, know they protected, know they provided for, know that no matter what happens, I can always go home. And I'll find a father with his arms open welcoming me back before I can even make an excuse that I will come back as a servant. He's already putting a robe over my shoulders and putting sandals on my feet and slipping a ring on my finger and says, you home. That's the love of a father. You raise a child that way when he's old, he will not depart from it. I, I got great revelation out of that scripture one day because somebody came to me and they were upset because, you know, they, they brought the child up and they went to children's church and they, they trained them and et cetera, et cetera. But now they're off somewhere else. And yeah, the scripture says, raise a child, he'll not depart from him. Now my child's, where, where, where are they? And I prayed about it because that 
you know, I want to know what the word is saying. Sometimes we read something and it means obvious because your life's great, it works, but now all of a sudden, yes, I mean, so you need to seek the wisdom of God. And this is the revelation that I got from it. Read it again. Raise a child in the way he should go when he's old. He'll not depart from it. It didn't say he won't go walk about in the meantime. You see, some children will. They'll stay in the ways of the Lord, and they see the wisdom of it, and they want to walk in it. But then all of a sudden, this child decides, well, let me go find out for myself, just like that prodigal son did. Give me my inheritance. I want to go live my own life. Notice the father didn't try and keep him. He knew what he had established in his heart was strong enough that once you've hit the rock bottom and you're sitting in a pig sty eating the pig food, you will remember what I taught you. So don't fear. Don't, don't spend your hours crying and, and God, please, oh my God, I don't know what I did. Was I such a bad father? Was I such a bad mother? No. You know what you taught them. You make sure they were in church. Teach them the word. Make sure they raised in the ways of the Lord. And then if they go walk about, you stay in that place of prayer. You stay speaking the word. You stay. You be father. You still be father. Be the blessing. Be, don't be judgmental. Don't be critical. Don't always moan and complain every time they phone, every time. No, be the father and keep your heart open and say, you are welcome home. They need to know. Because at any time when they hit rock bottom, they're going to remember, in my father's house, I'm blessed. Amen. And so how do we do that? We need to make sure we establish that. Now, now this book, of Proverbs, as you know, was written by Solomon. And when you see where this wisdom came from, come and have a look at 1 Chronicles chapter 28. David said to his son Solomon, Be strong and of good courage and do it. Now he's talking to him about building the temple, but I want you to hear the words of a father. Do not fear nor be dismayed, for the Lord God, my God, will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you until you finished all the work for the service of the house of the Lord. David knew his God. Now, you read David. I mean, we got our faith heroes. You know, if I said, Who's, who are the faith heroes in the Bible? David's going to be named there. I mean, we know him to be a great, mighty man of God. But you go study out his, out his life. He wasn't. Come on. I mean, he lied and he, and he had a man killed, took his wife, and, uh, you know, adulterer, murderer, liar. If that was our pastor, I don't know like we... <laughs> Come on. And yet the word says he's a man after God's own heart. Why? Because as, 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 as naughty as he was, whenever he was called on it, he immediately repented. 
He said, you got me. I, you're right. I, I, I was wrong. And he immediately always repented. He always repented. And he worshipped God. He loved God with all of his heart. He never made any excuses. He served God with all of his house. And now God says it's time for the temple to be built. But there's too much blood on your hands. So your son will build it. So what does he do? He says, now I want you to know I am who I am because of the God that I serve. And I want you to know God will never leave you, never forsake you. And no matter what happens in your life, the call that God's called you to do, he will finish that work through you. And he Spoke that into Solomon. And Solomon took it all. And he wrote, yeah, in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 1. Hear, my children, the instruction of a father. Give attention to no understanding. For I give you good doctrine. Now do not forsake my law. Listen to verse 3. When I was my father's son, tender and the only one in the sight of my mother, he also taught me and said to me, let your heart retain my words. Keep my commands and live. Get wisdom. Get understanding. So David drilled it into Solomon. You want to live. Keep the word that I teach you. And today we read Proverbs and Solomon's known as the wisest man who lived. And we get so much out of the book of Proverbs. David had implanted that in him. Family of God. This world is not lost. God so loved the world that he sent his, see the love of a father, sent his son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. We are the demonstration of God. And I'm putting out a call. Men of God, take up your office don't leave it up to the woman they have their responsibilities mothers have their places but the men of God take up your position of authority and be the voice of God in your household don't run from responsibilities you are the protector you are the provider. You are the one who walks in faith. You are the one who declares God's word. You're the first voice to say, what does the word say? The children need to hear you praying. They need to know you love God. And teach them why.
speak to them about it. Don't shy away from it. Handle the uncomfortable moments, but speak from the Word of God. And I believe as we do that, as fathers, we'll see a godly generation rising that will do righteousness and be a demonstration to this earth that we are truly a nation that serves God. Generational nations. Should the Lord tarry and you and I leave this earth via the grave, we will leave a legacy that will continue to grow because our children's children have been taught. And you know it will continue. Fathers, you are blessed. I call you blessed. Amen. Come on, give God glory. Let's stand together. Just replace your hand on your heart and say this, Father, my heavenly Father, I have heard your word. And that word is life to me. And I am a hearer and a believer, not a doubter. And as a hearer of the word, I'm also a doer. And so I thank you for the privilege of walking in the word of God. Father, say this. Today, I take up my responsibility as the father in my house, as the father to my children, and as a father to the children's children, to be a father to generations that I can be raised in the Word of God to be able to raise my children and their children and even their children raised up in the ways of God, to walk godly, to do righteousness. And I thank you for the grace that enables me to do it in the wisdom of God. Family, let's do it together. Say, together we stand as a family and we receive the godly instruction and wisdom that comes from our fathers and we choose to walk in it because we know that in it is the life. That's where the blessing is. That's where honor is. And we choose to receive it and we praise you for it in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Praise God, praise God.